Hi, hello everybody, and welcome back to the Fleet Navigator podcast, your go-to GPS for all fleet matters. And welcome to the first Fleet Navigator of 2023. We made it through 2022, who'd have believed it? Well, I'm joined by a very special guest today, my uh, friend and colleague, Dom Surlis, who joins us down the line from Deepest Darkest Slough. Hi, Dom, how you doing? I'm good, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Hopefully the first of uh, many podcasts to come. (laughs) <laughs> Indeed. Well, I think uh, I think between us we can agree that 2022 was a, a year for the history books. We obviously sadly lost our queen, long live the king. We had three prime ministers, one which, which only lasted 45 days. And we had four chancellors, bizarrely, over the course of a 12-month period. So um, it was pretty tumultuous. Um, further afield, of course, um, we saw the biggest war in, in Europe since 1945 as Russia invaded Ukraine on February the 24th last year. And of course, the world was still struggling to get over the pandemic. But closer to home, it was an eventful year for fleets and motorists too, one that was shaped in large by the turmoil elsewhere. So we thought that as 2023 gets going, we'd just stop and pause just a second, just kind of coming back from Christmas and accelerating back into the new year and just see where things are. So in this podcast, then we're going to be talking about all of the things that had the biggest impact on drivers over the past year and then look forward to what's going to shape 2023. So Dom, I'm going to hand over to you and do a a quick whistle-stop tour of 2022. Okay, great. So, well, I think looking back to 2022, we can all agree that one of the biggest stories was the rise of electric vehicles, at least in in, uh, in our industry. While sales of petrol and especially diesel cars fell dramatically in 2022, there was a 20% rise in what the jargon calls alternatively fueled vehicles, the overwhelming majority of which are electric cars and vans. In fact, in 2022, for the first time, just over a third of new car registrations were for electric vehicles, while only 5% used diesel. Now, at this point, we have to remember not to get ahead of ourselves. Petrol cars do remain the most popular. They made up 43% of new registrations in 2022. But EVs are catching up and fast. Sales will overtake those of petrol cars sooner rather than later, maybe even as soon as this year, in fact. Although, of course, that will depend on other factors including uh, Matt's uh, supply chains you wanted to tell us about. Yeah, I think it probably plagued us over last year and uh, it's probably going to carry on plaguing us through most of 2023. So, of course, we started last year with the semiconductor problems. Um, we've already mentioned it um, the, with the issues, you know, that the, the ongoing war in Ukraine created uh, supply chain issues, you know, furthermore, so food and cost of living going up, but also with the sanctions against Russia, um, and again, many, many precious metals that are involved in in battery technology and EVs are sourced from Russia, including who'd have thought that 15% of the world's neon, which is critical in the use of battery manufacturer, comes from Ukraine. And of course, demand for electric cars and vans remained high, so high that in fact, some manufacturers have have had trouble keeping up. So we've seen price rises, you know, you guys out there will have felt it as much as we did with order cancellations and having to replace orders for for different vehicles with slightly different variants, vehicles being delivered without some options even, you know, but but still it remains the case that if you want an EV, you will have to join a queue. And you might end up having to wait months rather than weeks, although obviously in recent obviously in recent weeks we've had the news with Tesla who have a glut of stock as as demand in China uh, tails off. And the problem of semiconductors, as we say, which are increasingly important part of modern computerized cars. But of course, don't forget that as lockdown hit, we all had laptops. We all wanted more laptops. We needed more phones. We were working from home. So supply chain pressures were elsewhere as well. It wasn't, it wasn't just within the cars, and cars are now struggling to keep up. And things were starting to get back to normal, actually, at the start of last year. We had, or at least we were certainly seeing some green shoots and some light at the end of the tunnel. 
And obviously, Russia invaded Ukraine and it disrupted the supply chains, as we've said, even further. And the vehicle manufacturing industry is doing what it can to improve the situation. Um, indeed, we are working with our customers and our prospects and across the industry to see how we can alleviate that with things like formal extension programs and prioritization of the most emergency, you know, the most key worker vehicles. But things aren't totally fixed. It's safe to say the availability EVs is going to be a theme of 2023, just as it was a theme of 22. But we'll, we'll get on to that later. Dom, I know this is one that you you keep a very close eye on, and and you're quite a political animal, much more than much more than me. It has to be said, but cost cost of living. I mean, we can't have a review podcast without talking about some of the issues that that we saw last year and into this year. No, that that's right, and yeah, I mean, it does feel as though we're just jumping from one crisis to the next. In fact, I think uh, 2022's word of the year was perma crisis. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the cost of living crisis is something that uh, it was you know. It, a major story last year, and that will continue this year. I mean, really, the cost of living in the UK had been a growing concern over recent years. And we know that many people are struggling to afford basic necessities. Factors that contribute to the cost of living crisis include stagnant wages, high inflation, cuts to public services. And of course, the pandemic had a really big impact on the cost of living as well. Now we're in a situation where rising unemployment and economic uncertainty have left many people struggling to make ends meet. The government's announced a series of measures to help ease the burden on low-income families, but many experts argue that more needs to be done to address the root causes of the the crisis. Now, for anybody running a fleet of vehicles, or indeed just uh, running a single vehicle themselves, you'll know that uh, fuel prices went sky-high last year. At one point, the average price of a litre of petrol across the country reached an eye-watering £1.92. The price of electricity was affected too. We've seen costs increase by a, a frankly astonishing 65%. And even though the government offered support, consumers have still been paying more. And naturally, that included drivers of electric vehicles. But even after all that, it still worked out cheaper to power an electric vehicle than it did to use a petrol or diesel car. And of course, it should be said that there are other cost savings associated with electric vehicles too, particularly if you're a company car driver. But at least when it came to powering up your car, The difference is the saving with EVs has narrowed compared to petrol and diesel over the past year. Now, within that, there is also a warning. Electric cars are becoming more popular. There are more and more of them on the roads. And we really need to make sure as a nation we have the capacity to provide power for them and provide it at a reasonable price. Across the cost of living crisis, we've we've brought together all of our best ideas on our website. It's even got its own dedicated section with tips from across our business on uh, how you can save money on your vehicles. But now from the cost of living to the conference of parties, COL to COP. Matt, can you tell us about COP27? We're introducing puns into the podcast already, are we? Do you reckon? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) November, the great and the good gathered Egypt um, for COP27. These are the annual meetings where governments and major organisations meet to address climate change. And, you know, some... Some, you know, some may disagree with the fact that, you know, everybody goes off to, you know, far flung climbs for these things, but they are pretty crucial in bringing together ideas and, and, and moving forward on some of the most env- biggest environmental concerns. Um, unlike in previous years, transport was not addressed as a separate theme this year. However, progress was made towards cleaner mobility. Sig- most significantly, I think, is probably is a joint UK-US scheme, which was launched to promote EVs in the developing world and a declaration on decarbonisation. First published by the British government at COP26 in 2021, that attracted some new signatories as well. 
Nearly 200 countries, regions and organisations have now signed up to that declaration, pledging to abandon the sale of new petrol and diesel vehicles by 2040 at the latest. Bear in mind, we're 10 years sooner, so we will be banning the sale of petrol and diesel vehicles in 2030. That date remains set in stone for the time being. If nothing else, all of these things, it confirms the internal combustion engine is on its way out. Which brings us to the current year, so 2023. I'm still writing 2022 and doing a weird correction to a three. I did turn 50 a few weeks ago, so it's probably no surprise. I have, you'll be pleased to know, stop wishing everybody a happy new year, though. So, Dom, what are your favourite subjects? Let's, let's start looking ahead to 2023 and let's start with that, that the mentor's topic of tax. Absolutely. So tax is something we think about a lot in uh, lease plan consultancy services. And in recent years, successive UK governments have been very upfront about using tax incentives to encourage the use of EVs. We've seen taxes that have been waived or at least kept at very low levels. And benefit-in-kind rates have been very favourable for, for drivers of electric vehicles. The bad news is that some of those incentives are now coming to an end. So we've had the announcement already that from 2025, drivers of electric vehicles are going to have to start paying vehicle excise duty. It'll be £10 for the first year and then £165 after that, based on the, uh, the current rates of VED. And there will also be an additional levy on cars that cost more than £40,000. The good news is that rates are staying low for company car drivers of electric vehicles. Current CCT rate is just 2%. And from 2025-26, we'll see that start to rise by one percentage point each year. So by 2027-28, it'll still be only 5%. That makes driving electric vehicles by far the uh, cheapest option for company car drivers and basically a, a really good deal for the foreseeable future. It does indeed. And actually, you know, I've, I've got the rate tables in front of me for 23 and beyond, and, it, and it's pretty eye-watering, even at, you know, what would have been three, four years ago, very, very reasonable CO2 on, on internal combustion engine vehicles. You know, you're kind of looking at 28, 29% for a 1.4 TFSI Golf. So it, it, it is pretty staggering in terms of the way that's ratcheted. I'm just going to drop back to something you said about vehicle excise duty, actually, Dom, about that, that additional levy on cars. DFT, Department for Transport, are listening to us when we've, we've been talking about this because, you know, you, you look at that and you kind of say, well, it's, ten, you know, £10 for the first year, £165 after that. That doesn't, that doesn't seem unreasonable, right? At the moment, four out of five cars in four out of five EVs will be caught by the, the additional levy to so the expensive car charge, which is not what that levy is designed to do. That levy is designed to charge more for the highest 20% of vehicles. So that that is a, is a watching brief. It's an issue for 2025. However, what I can assure you as our, as our podcast audience is DFT, Ministry of Transport, are listening. They understand the concerns and they are keen to make the legislation fit for purpose going forward. So moving on, we should probably talk about clean air zones and, and ultra low emission zones. We've kind of already done it. So CASs and ULES, clean air zones, ultra low emission zones. Despite the different names, they're very similar things. They're both designated areas where special action is taken to reduce vehicle emissions in essence. And in some cases, charges are imposed on vehicles that don't meet minimum emission standards. EVs are, of course, completely exempt because they don't give off any emissions. So why do we mention it now? Well, probably because 2023 is going to be a very significant year for clean air zones and ultra-low emission zones. Let's, let's start with the ultra-low emission zone. This is, in effect, London's clean air zone. It's the scheme introduced by Sadiq Khan in 2019 to limit emissions in the capital, and it means a fee for dirtier, older vehicles, including cars and vans, travelling through the city centre. Let's be careful with that term, city centre, shall we? 
So it's already expanded to reach London's north and south circular. But as of 29th of August 2023, confirmation's been given it's going to expand again to cover all of Greater London. That's a huge geographical area and, and will have an impact. So if you are operating fleets in those particular areas, particularly van fleets, get in touch. We can, we can talk to you about what that looks like and help you through that. Or go to TFL London's website or insights.leaseplan.com. At the start of 2023, Newcastle and Gateshead are also set to introduce a joint clean air zone at the end of January. And each scheme has its own rules. For instance, Bradford doesn't impose fees on cars that don't meet the minimum emission standards, but Bristol certainly does. And of course, look out for Sheffield. Um, Their zone starts early this year. That starts in February. And if you do any business in these areas, as I said, it is, of course, worth checking online to confirm that your vehicle meets the particular standards. There is even a zero emission zone, another acronym, a ZEZ indeed, which launched last February in Oxford and levers a fee on all petrol and diesel vehicles. Only zero emission vehicles are completely exempt. And so far it's raised £120,000 for the council. So don't be surprised if other cities follow suit. Certainly Bath is looking to extend and looking very seriously at a zero emission zone as part of their clean air zones. So we should probably move on to other matters. So let's take a look at fuel duty. We've obviously had some announcement towards fuel duty in the autumn statement, and we're expecting the main glut of the news coming up in the budget. But Dom, give, it, give, it, give us some insight as to where we think it might go. Yeah, sure. So we've already mentioned the way that petrol and diesel prices rose very dramatically in 2022. But towards the end of the year, they'd started to fall back. Now it's possible that in 2023, drivers will be taking a hit through fuel duty. So fuel duty has been frozen in the UK since 2011. And on top of that, there was a temporary five pence per litre cut last year to help drivers with the cost of living crisis. However, that's due to come to an end in, in April. In his autumn statement, Jeremy Hunt didn't mention that fuel duty would be frozen for another year from March 2023, as we might have expected, nor did he postpone the reversal of the temporary five pence cut, although that might have been less expected. The upshot is that fuel duty might increase hugely in March, with both the 5p returning and the main rate rising in line with inflation too. So what would that mean in practice? Well, the Office for Budget Responsibility, which provides analysis of Britain's public finances, has said that fuel duty could increase by 23%, which would add 12 pence to the price of petrol and diesel. Of course, it's possible that this won't happen. While he hasn't yet confirmed the continuation of the freeze, the Chancellor hasn't yet confirmed the opposite either. He could act between now and March, perhaps in the forthcoming spring budget, particularly as the internal politics of raising fuel duty would be difficult, with many Conservative MPs warning him against it. However, on the flip side, it would be an easy way of raising revenue for a government that needs to do just that. If he does, it will be another incentive to transition to EVs. But there is a bigger point here, a point about the future of motoring taxation in general. What will happen when millions of motorists transition to EVs, as they already are doing in in large numbers, and the government can no longer rely on revenues from fossil fuels and carbon emissions? There was speculation that the government would start grappling with this enormous question in 2022 by taking the first steps towards a full realignment of the vehicle taxation system, moving away from taxing petrol, diesel and carbon emissions, and perhaps towards taxing motorist mileage in the form of road pricing. 
this is something that we're going to be looking out for in 2023. And, and I, I think you're right, Dom. I think the rage user pricing is, is, a, is, a, is a question that is, is going to continue to do the rounds. I was privileged enough, along with EV100, uh, to visit with the Transport Minister, Jesse Norman, which was a, a very interesting meeting hugely intelligent guy very ready to listen and ready to take action on some of these things and he was very clear about road user pricing from a dft or department for transport perspective that he would look to introduce road user pricing as it's the right thing to do for a a transport and infrastructure improvement and he was very keen to separate the issue of recovering taxation which is very much a treasury piece and separating that from implementing something that is that is right for, for for transport so it's interesting listening to, to how government departments interact with each other. You'd like to think, such as in the private sector, that they'd get their heads around the table and sort it out together, but they've obviously got their own own interests that they, that they need to put forward as well. So from fuel duty to consumer duty. So this is, a, this is another piece now that is, that is gathering pace and that we certainly are looking at very, very intently as we resubmit to the FCA for our, for our accreditation. So consume, what is it? So consumer duty is a new protection for customers aimed at those using finance to purchase goods and services. It's a new principle basically being added to the FCA or the Financial Conduct Authorities, 11 principles for businesses in August 23. 12th principle is to act to deliver good outcomes for retail customers. This means that businesses have a responsibility to help customers make the best decisions on finance based on their needs. The FCA wants every customer to experience a good outcome when taking out a finance agreement, irrespective of the product and irrespective of where they take that agreement from. Businesses must act in good faith towards customers, avoid foreseeable harm to customers and allow and support customers to pursue their financial objectives. In terms of car leasing, customers may experience slight changes when applying for vehicle finance, such as additional questions about financial circumstances or lifestyle, or a requirement just to fill in some additional forms to fill out or read before signing an agreement. These changes are intended to ensure that customers receive the right deal for their needs. It's not designed to obfuscate existing legislation. If a customer believes rules under the new consumer duty principle have been broken, the first course of action is to communicate this to the car leasing or finance company. And if customers feel that they have yet to reach an acceptable resolution, they can file a complaint with the Financial Ombudsman Service or FOS. That's just an overview for now. It's such an extensive topic and it, and it is so detailed. We'll be covering this topic and other legislative bits in our next podcast. So probably should revisit this as, as, as we're going forward again into 2023. So supply and demand. I'll hand back to you, Dom, again. Okay, yeah. So now there's no shortage of reasons for drivers and fleets to switch from petrol and diesel to pure electric, especially if the price of petrol continues to remain high. However, there continue to be problems in the supply chain. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is still upsetting the availability of semiconductors. It's also caused specific problems with the availability of lithium, which is used in the batteries that power EVs. Historically, most lithium has come from Russia itself. However, it's hoped that this won't cause too much disruption. New sources of lithium have already been sourced, some of them in the United States. Last year, President Biden launched a huge investment in lithium mining, and while this hasn't yet borne fruit, it does mean that manufacturers are more relaxed about using the existing stockpile, since they're confident it can be replenished. So there remains a lot of uncertainty in the supply chain. However, the demand for EVs is giving manufacturers excellent incentives to find ways to resolve those problems, and quickly. It's a really interesting point. I think it, it, the, the the new mines. I mean, blink and you'll miss it. But two three weeks ago, the news hit us that they've they've uncovered a million a million tons worth of precious metals in Sweden. 
Obviously, you've got to get them out of the ground, and you've got to do that in a responsible and ethical way. But but good news that there's there's more stocks that have been found in in under Europe's control. We should probably revisit, um, or we should probably go to the economy. This is this is a slightly difficult topical topic area. I always feel slightly dressed in black with a scythe at this point, because we are in we are in challenging times. Um, UK economy is certainly not quite as robust as the government might like. In fact, again, if you look at some of the headlines, it looks like we might be one of the only G7 countries to be heading for a recession. And the decision to leave the European Union has hit exports and driven inflation, that, that's for sure. And obviously, a further shock came during the very brief prime ministerial tenure of Liz Truss, 45 days, which is, which is somewhat of a record. The markets reacted badly to the budget launched by the then Chancellor of the Exchequer, Kwasi Kwarteng. Some sources suggest that it cost the country nearly 30 billion, and we're still struggling to recover that now. And indeed, the OBR, the Office for Budget Responsibility, is forecasting the economy will shrink by about 1.5% in 2023. And the picture for the global economy isn't that much rosier, um, with many economists predicting at the very least a downturn, and some predicting a full-blown recession. It's a perilous outlook, and that means there's going to be further pressures on the motor industry, with fewer cars being sold. And for fleet managers, it means they'll be under more pressure than ever to control costs. And of course, you need to maintain the benefit to the drivers and employees as well. It's a very, very challenging role for the fleet manager at the moment, which my team and I spend much of our time helping people through. But it might actually lead to an increase in electric vehicle use. As employers look to keep costs down, petrol prices are already high and will be highest if fuel duty increases. And besides, EVs can lead to many other cost savings, particularly over their whole working lives. Whole life cost or total cost of operation as we refer to it as. Lower repair and maintenance bills, reduced tax rate, no fees in clean air zones and more. 2023 may be a challenge for many organisations, but electric vehicles can help you overcome that challenge. So what about lease plans priorities for 2023? Dom, we've we've been talking about this extensively in the office just at the moment as we come together and form the strategy for 2023 and beyond. So talk us through the, the lease plan priorities for this year. Well, perhaps, uh, first of all, we're celebrating an exciting anniversary in 2023, which we'll be talking about shortly. But it's worth looking back briefly at 2022 again, and an important piece of research that will certainly guide our thinking and actions in the forthcoming year. Over a number of months last year, we worked with various partners to commission a survey of motorists and their attitudes towards electric vehicles. The results were part encouraging and partly a reminder of the work that remains to be done to guide people into the future. The good news was it showed 64% of people who were thinking of getting a new car would consider buying electric. Unfortunately, the survey also revealed that there's a lot of persistent myths that need to be confronted. For instance, nearly half the people who took part thought that an electric car would cost them more over the course of its lifetime than a petrol car, even though the exact opposite is true. Likewise, even though more and more charging points have come on stream, a lot of people, 56% in fact, said that they wouldn't get an EV because they're worried they wouldn't be able to recharge before they run out of power. Happily, these concerns and confusions are solvable ones, not least because they're mostly based on misperceptions. In our research report, we even gave a number of possible solutions which fall into three categories. Firstly, make EVs more affordable, such as by showing drivers where EVs save money, and they really do in comparison to petrol and diesel vehicles. Secondly, make them simple, such as by providing clearer numbers for driving range. And thirdly, make them intuitive, which could be by making charge points more visible, for example. Affordable, simple and intuitive. These are pretty good New Year's resolutions for anybody who wants to advance the cause of cleaner motoring. 
Indeed, and and what a lovely place to finish. So, so what was the Lease Plan anniversary you mentioned? Well, this year it's 60 years since Lease Plan was first founded in 1963, and we started helping people to find the right cars. We're very excited. We intend to celebrate the best way we know how, obviously with a big party, but we also intend to help our customers meet their goals and move towards the future of mobility in 2023. So here's to the last 60 years and the next 60 years. Thank you for joining us on today's Fleet Navigator. Thank you very much for joining me, Dom. Thank you, Matt. And uh, as always, head over to leaseplan.com and the insights page there where you can find all of our Fleet Navigator podcasts and, and and a lot of supporting information to help you through some of these challenges. Thank you. See you next time.